to the LEAD 222 podcast, created to help student ministry leaders stay healthy and become more effective in life and leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Bo Boshears and Dave Hootke. Welcome to LEAD 222's podcast, where we focus on helping leaders around the country and youth pastors to be healthy leaders, leading healthy families and ministries. Each episode, we focus in on one of our five core values. And today we're going to be focusing on kingdom impact. And we're going to be digging a little deeper on how do you say strong in weakness? I'm very excited about my friend and guest today on our podcast, Steve Kills. Steve has been a dear friend and really a mentor and theologian in my life. And you're going to enjoy what he has to say about how to stay strong in weakness. Dave, why don't you share a little bit more about who Steve is? Yeah, absolutely. Steve Keels is the executive pastor of discipleship at Good Shepherd Community Church in Boring, Oregon, which uh, sounds like a very fun place to live. Um, (laughs) You know, you have to say something when the town is named Boring, but uh, I'm sure it's uh, an awesome place to live. He oversees groups, Bible studies, and men's ministry. Steve led a very large student ministry for years, and his heart has never left reaching the next generation for Christ. He is an author and speaker, and we're so grateful to have Steve Keels on the podcast today. Steve, welcome. It's great to have you today. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. I'm looking forward to the time. We're talking to youth pastors around the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Steve, you know a lot about our ministry and the idea that we really strive to be healthy leaders in our mm-hmm. lives and our families and our ministry. So today, what I want to talk about is, um, you know, how, how, how can we be strong, healthy leaders? What does the Bible say about being a strong, healthy leader? Um, the, I think the healthy attitude is understanding the scriptures and having the, the heart that Paul has. And regardless of the pressure you feel from your pastors, elders, the pressure you need to feel is from the scriptures. That, and, and Paul says it, when I am weak, I am strong. Uh, now, he's not saying when I'm passive, I am strong. He doesn't say that. He says, when I am weak, I am strong. And there's a full biblical counsel in terms of what is biblical humility. It is strength under control. God is opposed to the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. And the passage that you could look at is 2 Corinthians 11, because the thing I love about this book in, uh, that Paul um, reveals to me in this text in, first, in 2 Corinthians 11 and 12 is you get a pastor's heart. And if you really want to stay in student ministries or even in the pastorate like I have for so many years, is not getting in the entrapment of uh, when I have crowds or when I am great, I am strong. Actually, it's the opposite. And then um, that will be the sustaining power within you um, being in ministry as long as I have been. You know, Steve, I, I, that's so good. I, and I think in student ministry, you know, even in uh, our past podcast, episode six, you know, we talked about 
so often our identity can come in what we do and, and not truly understanding our identity in Christ. And it's easy to get caught up in, in a lot of those things. But thinking through this idea of weakness, and you, you talked about strength under control and kind of this, this idea of having this heart that Paul is talking about. Can you, can you kind of hone in just a little bit sure. more thinking through the, yeah. the, the lens of student ministry, what is that strength under control? What is, what is Paul really kind of going after when I am weak, I am strong? What does that look like in student ministry? Well, I, I'd say, first of all, you know, uh, your job in uh, Colossians 1 says that we have a calling and that is to mature people. So you better be mature. And the way to be mature is the way Paul sees himself becoming mature. You want to be a mature youth pastor? Do you want to have mature people? Do you want to grow up mature leaders? Or do you want to have an immature ministry? Or do you want to have a ministry that isn't deep? But Paul doesn't do that at all. As a matter of fact, I love it when he says this. He talks about boasting, all right? He says, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to boast. Um, I am going to boast in the things that show my weakness. Now, that's not false humility. He's just saying, let me tell you how I'm going to reveal to you my growth in Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, he says it this way in verse 9. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. This is what God says for him. Uh, for my power is made perfect in what? My pride, my, my strength, my looks, my ability to speak, uh, my ability to tell a funny story. He didn't say that. He says, it's made perfect in my weakness. Now, honestly, it is so easy to throw that away. But I didn't say that. The Bible said it. So if the Bible is saying that, and this is what Paul says, is his core value. Well, that's why he was able to boast about the things that he does. And he finds himself thinking, this is stupid that I'm even going to do this. So he gives his credentials. And what are they? You can see them in the text. Let's look at that in chapter 11, 16. Always let the Bible speak. Don't, don't just let somebody bounce off of it. You know, what you get in this passage is a pastor's heart. That's what Paul is doing. He's letting you see, this is really who I am. And I think all too often, pastors can get into a cover-up situation where I'm going to be the great pretender. I'm going to prove my worth to you. Paul is saying, I, I could do that, and you might be impressed, but God isn't impressed. Mm -hmm. And I am here to be uh, a servant of the king. Therefore, if you want bragging rights, let me, let me tell you what. <laughs> this is the beauty of chapter 12. Because he says, all right, I could tell you how I've been beaten, da, 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 all that kind of stuff. Uh, my real burden is the church. He says that in verse 28. But I face daily the pressure and concerns of the church. Okay. But then when he gets to chapter 12, he says, hey, all right, I know a guy that was actually taken up to the third heaven. That's what he says in the text. You know, he says, I, I know a man that's been taken up. He's seen the revelations. Uh, I know a man in Christ who for 14 years was caught up into the third heaven. He says that in verse 2. Whether he was in the body or not in the body, he says, I really don't know. Uh, and he gets into this idea. But then he reveals in this passage 
who this guy really is that was actually in this revelation of seeing heaven. And it really is him. So he was discipled by Jesus Christ in his glorified body. He's the only disciple that was discipled by Jesus Christ in a glorified position, sitting at the right hand of the Father. The other disciples were not discipled this way. So when, when the Apostle Paul wants to give bragging rights, he says, now I'm really going to up one you here. I know a guy who was discipled by Jesus, sits at the right hand of the Father. He was the one that discipled him. We know that in Galatians 1, where in the desert, it is Jesus himself. Because in order to be apostle, you had to be discipled by Jesus Christ himself. You had to have seen his resurrected body. You had to have seen the nail prints in his hands. That's what it was to be an apostle, right? So what Paul is saying is, I'm going to give you real bragging rights. Actually, I was discipled by Jesus in a much different way than all the other guys. Uh, I seen heaven. I have seen the throne. <laughs> and then he goes, I ain't going to brag about that one. You know, I'm going to brag about my weakness. Now, let me tell you what. If what the Lord does, which is absolutely phenomenal, is that instead of allowing the Apostle Paul to have great health, in this real true um, experience. I mean, he, he could have really been telling the great story of what Jesus looked like and sitting at the right hand of the Father and the throne or standing or sitting. Just imagine what the Apostle Paul heard from Jesus himself in understanding grace, whereas the Pharisees never taught that. He was the one who was the one who taught grace, by the way. That's why he says, my grace is sufficient. But then he says, okay, guys, this is going to get you for sure. Okay, I want you to look at verse 6. Even if I should choose to boast, okay, even if I did, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Okay, I don't want you to think more of me, but look at verse 7. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations, meaning I saw him at the right hand of the Father, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, meaning it is possible for all of us to become arrogant, I was giving the thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan, and he was there to torment me. And I actually asked God three times. I pleaded with him to take this from me. And, you know, Jesus said to him, no, my grace is sufficient for you. So I'm not going to let you go around and boast about how you were discipled by me. Have you ever had people brag about the, the people that they've been discipled with? Well, he was discipled by Jesus in a very different place. And he says, I'm the least of the apostles. Hey, Steve, you know, um, thinking through, you know, so often it's easy um, maybe to, to be proud, boast on some of those, you know, excellent things that God's doing in our ministry, or maybe, maybe we're recognizing some signs, you know, I'm trying to prove my worth. And I think internally we can kind of recognize some of that, even hearing this, the Holy Spirit can kind of just convict mm -hmm. some of those areas in our heart. And, um, what, what would you say as far as like, what would be some healthy signs you know, for maybe our listeners, okay, I'm recognizing some of these warning signs. I'm maybe even 
I'm seeing some of that. How do I move? How do I take healthy steps to have that pastor's heart, to have that, that servant, to understand that servanthood that Paul is talking about here? What would be some healthy steps to move towards that? Well, I mean, I, I find it interesting that um, when we think of the devil, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, doesn't he? The healthy step is to understand that you're in a spiritual warfare. And uh, the spiritual warfare is the way that you can um, move towards this understanding of what it is to uh, boast in your weaknesses. And the only way that happens is through uh, sufferings that come your way. Mm. And if, if a person is really wanting to understand this, uh, it's when you're actually in a spiritual warfare. And, and I can tell you throughout my life, we have um, six children. Um, one was taken. Shoot. That always gets me every time. Um, about six months ago. And um, it's been, and Bo knows this has been a very dear friend to me. Um, and I think when, um, a person wants to know how is it that they can, uh, walk in weakness, know that the devil is doing everything he can, uh, to kill, steal, and destroy. I've always understood what it was to steal and destroy. I've done more funerals for students and children in high profile funerals uh school shootings i've done the funerals there but i never thought i would do my own um and others in experiences they don't humble me i can be next to you and you're hurt but that doesn't humble me it's when it becomes personal uh, and instead of becoming bitter, you, you become tender. Um, and so we found our, it was on Thanksgiving morning. Uh, my son was a, um, he was our baby. He uh, was a drug addict. And we, it's funny, I wrote a book on parenting. I don't know if both you read it, you should have. It was a bestseller, I'm sure of it. Maybe not. And uh, I was doing some conferences on parenting. And uh, my, my, uh, my, my youngest, Jason, um, uh, graduated from high school and started to get into drugs. And at that point, he started acting out. And I thought, oh, man. And the first thing I remember thinking was, well, now that I've written this book on parenting and I was boastful on some things, my kid's walking with Jesus, it's all good, you know, the leaders in the youth ministry. And I thought, oh, crud, now. I not only have one drug addict, my, my number five son was a drug addict. So out of my, my six children, my two babies. And so I thought, oh, great, I'm going to write another book. It's called Just Kidding. <laughs> yeah. And in that, we worked hard. My number five boy um, got clean. My number six son really got into it very deep. And we fought hard for him. We gave our lives to him. And um, he went many years clean, um, very affectionate. And then he had a relapse. 
relapse. And we always feared that if you have a, um, a relapse as a drug addict in meth and heroin, um, you will go back and use to the level that you did. And we always feared that he would, he would take it to that level and die. So it was Thanksgiving and he stood by me and came downstairs and was next to me. And, you know, and we um, sat and I told him, why don't you sit and watch a movie with me? And when you're on meth, you hallucinate. You're, and he was at a lower level, not aggressive. We've had aggressive times for sure. And during those aggressive times, um, that's humbling. It's not just the death, it's, it's the journey. And uh, um, I went in drug homes, I pulled them out, I got in dangerous situations, cussed out, um, numbers of things, police, you name it. Um, and yet many, many good times. And when he was clean, he was the greatest kid on the planet. Very affectionate, very loving. But the devil, when he comes in, he knows how to do it. All the while in ministry, you're up teaching and you know you got problems, you, you know, and you're, you're dying inside. Well, when he, oh, uh, uh, I was in bed in the morning and Sue comes into my room and it was an awful morning the next day after Thanksgiving. It was our Black Friday. And we found him dead in his room and our lives have never been the same. Um, you, it's lonely, it's terrible, it's now I'm one of them, the people that I've done funerals for. Um, but I think in order to be a healthy youth pastor, it isn't everybody else's stories that it's your own. Um, and now I see God differently. I don't understand why he did this, but I know now the devil doesn't just come to steal and destroy. I know he comes to kill because he killed my kid. Um, the drugs killed my son. And, you know, my wife and I, we don't miss a day of tears and hurt. It was miserable for us and we still hate it. Um, people don't know how to talk to us sometimes, but we have great friends that we can talk to about this um and um i think the challenge that student pastors have today is the drug addiction that's huge but you got to be in love with jesus to walk that journey with some family um but it's been pretty rotten for us but you know steve um, <clears throat> steve if i could cut in on that and you know i've been a uh, witness to what we're talking about today from passage, you know, just how to stay strong in weakness. And I tell you, you and Sue kills, it has been amazing to see the strength that God gave you in the, in the, in the loss of, of your son, Jason. Um, the, if you could speak to that a little bit, cause I, in, in that brokenness, and I remember what it was three weeks later, I, you know, not only did I hear your son's funeral, which um, was amazing that you allowed uh, me to hear that. And it was, it was taped, but it served so many people. Uh, I was blown away by the love and power God gave you in that. Uh, and then a few weeks later, you know, you, you were sharing to the congregation, your pastor, you had to continue with what God was calling you. And you blew me away to see your strength. Could you share a little bit about what was happening because I know that you and Sue were broken, but yeah, yeah, 
it sucks. I mean, you know, you, um, you have a huge congregation. We're a very big church and, um, our people didn't know what to do, but I didn't want them to feel weird around me. Um, but I'll tell you what I found by getting up and preaching God's word instead of teaching. I did not know our church was in so much pain. I'm having people coming up to me who yeah. lost their children, you know, because uh, there's so many people in our church. I don't know them all. It's impossible. But I, I never seen anything like it. I mean, just never seen anything like it. People coming up to me who... Uh, had their kids just OD the day before Jason died and they made him watch the service, you know? And by watching that service, there's been like almost 1,500 people that have watched the service, people that don't want to be me, uh, students who are putting their parents through crap, hurting them. Um, but the, the, the strength just comes by daily honesty with God. I talked to him different today than I ever have in my life. I mean, uh, Psalm 88 is a, is a powerful psalm because it's there you see the psalmist, David, just, wow, just laying it out there. Not disrespectful to the Lord, never disrespectful. But it is true that um, I believe any youth pastor, um, even when they don't feel like doing it, even when you come up and you're getting ready to minister and you see all these students and some of them are jerks, some of them don't care about the Bible, some of them are influential kids and they're leading the ministry in the wrong way, and some of them have parents who are elders and they're complaining to you and you're like, ah, oh, that's, that's a kid that just says he doesn't want to come, but he has to show up. And, and inside, that is another level of trial. That's just a level of discouragement. Um, and this is, this is, and this is our trial, but everybody has their trial too, is it, it might not be the, to the same degree, but it, but we all have them. And the question is, are we allowing God to grow our humility or are we allowing the devil to grow our bitterness? Uh, I'm not bitter to the Lord. I just don't know why. I just don't know why this happened. Randy Alcorn's my very, very, very best friend. He's in my house all the time. He's helping me a lot. And his book on um, suffering has just been remarkable for me. Um, but I, I think for people in student ministries, it's one thing to... Uh, to minister to people. It's another thing to just really, really recognize, to really recognize um, the, the need, the need for a true, authentic love for the living and holy God with everything in you. And more than the need of personal affirmations around me and the people pleasing. Uh, I remember when Jesus says, you know, you guys are about people pleasing, you know, you want affirmation, you know, John five and Galatians. But um, when, when trials come personal, it guts you on that. I mean, I can give a message and people can come up and say, man, that was really good. I don't receive it the way I used to. I don't receive it like, yeah, we'll see. I'm needed. 
<laughs> I just receive it of, you know, I can't believe God is even using this because inside I'm beat up. But <laughs> I'm happy in him. No, and it doesn't go away. It's pretty miserable. Steve, I I, I just really think about all, a lot of youth pastors that are struggling, you know, that, that maybe are going through suffering at the moment. And, um, you know, as I look at this passage, you know, and as Paul, you know, really cries out to the Lord and, and he says each time, you know, this is, this is what Jesus said to him. My grace is all you need. My power yeah. works best in weakness. And, um, can you just encourage uh, the youth pastors that are out there that might be going through suffering too, that might be struggling and, and, you know, just encourage them. Like, this is, this is what Paul is saying when he says, my grace is all you need. Yeah. You know, I think grace is a word that you don't hear the world use. I mean, the world doesn't run around and say, Hey, I grace you. I mean, right. it isn't until you become a believer do you even know what that word is. So it isn't, it's not a word that is normally used. Um, as a matter of fact, um, they never used the word humility. It was, it was never in their vocabulary because that was a sign of weakness. Um, but grace, grace is the, it really is the place where regardless of the junk that is in me, um, I'm able to receive that beautiful grace from the living and holy God, not just the initial grace of my salvation, but the continual grace that comes with my salvation. And when he says that's sufficient, that means God is, he's, 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 he's lavishing me with not just initial grace, but continual grace. And the way that looks is, I'm with you wherever you go, even to the ends of the earth. Jesus says that in Matthew 28. So when I'm praying and I'm begging God uh, in, the, in those dark moments, uh, I know that what he's doing by giving me his grace, he is showing me that he is sufficient. And what does that mean? Hey, I'm going to meet your needs. I'm not going to just meet your external needs. I'm going to meet your internal needs. I am here. And, um, and that, uh, that has really helped both Sue and I, you know, we can't sing yet. <laughs> we try, <laughs> we we try to sing, but it's hard, you know, that's challenging for us. Mm -hmm. Um, but we celebrate. And that is God giving us his grace. Um, uh, uh, his grace for, I believe, youth pastors who might have a, a jerk of a boss. Let's just say that. Let's say you're in a very unhealthy church, very unhealthy church. Uh, and I would encourage if you are a youth pastor, and trust me, they are in those conditions, uh, that those are very unhealthy conditions. And that is not the environment that the living and holy God is developing. Um, because I believe that is I'm experiencing grace from other pastors on our staff. And so it's not just God giving it to me personally, but he's bringing it through the avenues of healthy pastors with me, healthy friends with me, 
and I'm experiencing their grace. Well, Steve, you know, in today's topic, I, I didn't, you know, the, the direction it went, but when we talk about, you know, being strong in weakness, again, I just want to give testimony to what I have seen in you and Sue and your family. Uh, you've been so encouraging um, as a friend, but just as a Christ follower um, during this time, especially with the loss of your son. And, and, you know, I wish we had more time to talk because one of the things that was awesome, I just want our listeners to know that's um, and Steve and Sue and their family as they went forth and trusted the Lord in this weakness, the strength that they gave the family, it was uh, supernatural. And one of the things that Steve teaches at a service, uh, I think Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, it was three, four weeks later, maybe yeah. a little longer than that. And without Steve knowing this, the, the passage that he was going to be teaching, that it was phenomenal. Steve, was it 40 or 50? Uh, pe uh, young people that did not know anything about um, yeah. your son's death showed up and they were all coming from a rehab place. Yeah. They just happened to come to your church that day. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't even know they were there. After yeah. the service, here's 40 yeah. young people that yeah. come up to you and they start telling you, thank you for the message and what you shared. And then that had to be talking about being in your weakness strength, but, what an amazing gift, at least from my side, that what God gave you, that your son's like saying, I'm right here. You know, I'm here. Take care of these guys. Guys, dad, that blew me away. Can you just give, a, as we close here, just the final words. But in that one passage, that one little episode, Steve, what really happened? Those 40, it was 40, right? 40 people. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think one of my core values in youth ministry has always been never give up. You never give up. You never give up on anyone. I don't care who they are. Uh, if you have that kid that's acting up and they're silly, you never give up on them. You don't turn on them. Uh, and you got those kids that are, uh, you know, that just are, I don't know, just, you know, there's all levels of maturity, but, but um, I was preaching about three weeks after my son's death and I wanted to do that. And uh, the, the, the main passage was never give up. You never give up on your children. I, we never gave up on our son. We chased him on the streets when he was high. We brought him home. I mean, it was just, I got him in rehabs. Of course, he had been clean for a long time at this point. So I was sharing the message on never give up on your kids. And uh, right when I was done, I look over and there's about 40 guys come up and they're just huge. I mean, they're muscular guys, right? And they come up and they go, Pastor, I, I, um, uh, we want to talk to you. And I said, sure. And I, I said, that's fine. You know, I mean, I was overwhelmed. And this one guy goes, well, I, I want you to know I'm a pastor. And I said, oh, oh okay, well, where are you from? He goes, no, I'm a pastor at, uh, at a rehab place. And I go, oh, did you know Jason? And he goes, no, we woke up this morning and God said, come to this church. And so wow. I put him in a van and we showed up and you're talking about your loss of your son and never give up on him. And all these guys started hugging me oh. and they were crying. Wow. And, That's amazing. And they just, they kept going, don't let me go. And so I was holding them and I was praying over them. And one of them was just like, pray for my dad that I don't want to hurt him. You know? Yeah, amazing, Steve. Yeah, that was pretty strong oh. when those guys did that. Yeah, I mean, mm. 
who gets that right? And then that very, the very next day, uh, one of Jason's friends had relapsed and chasing him and got him in a rehab the next day. And I think that's what youth pastors do. I mean, I did that. I, I, I got a lot of students in rehab and I was, and I still will. I still do. <laughs> I, I still Steve. do. I grab them off the streets. It's not fun. Well, Steve, yeah. I appreciate you being on today. And, and like, like Dave said, sharing a personal story of, of, the truth of no. the scripture that you bring that you so much love. And I want to thank you for being on our, on our podcast today. And, and um, Steve, you know, we finish with always, if you had just one, you know, in, 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 a, in a statement, what would you yeah. say to youth leaders today? The one discipline that you've really learned or truth that has allowed you to stay healthy uh, as a leader, allowed your home to lead healthy in the ministry. What would, what is one truth if you had to sum it up in a line or so to our to our listeners today what would that one truth be or discipline i would probably say that for me the one discipline is the discipline of faithfulness um and i just want to be faithful you know i want to finish well you know Mm. And, and I think for youth pastors, if they can just stay faithful to Jesus, they'll stay faithful then to their wives. And then they'll stay faithful to never give up on their children, no matter what. And they'll stay faithful to the bride of Christ, even when it hurts you. You know, don't leave the church. Don't. Just stay in there. She isn't easy to get along with. I get that. But the thing that you guys do is you're you're doing more than coaching guys like me and those all these years of student ministry and is that what you're saying to all of us is we're never going to give up on you and we will stay faithful to you and we will believe in you but we will say hard things to you and the reason why good shepherd is giving you guys thousands uh, I'm on the board of Eternal Perspective, Randy Alcorn's minister. We've given you thousands, and it's not the it's not the the amount. It's that we really believe that the youth pastors need to more than ever please stay faithful for this next generation because you know when they when they mess up and they they end up. Uh, getting into drugs or alcohol or messing up with their girlfriend, that moment of just being reminded, you know what? I remember Kills. He loved me. I need to give him a call. And I get that all the time. I have a young man that showed up here to church and I hadn't seen him for years. And it was in my youth ministry and he uh, and walked away from Jesus completely. And he said he got to the door and he said, God, please let me find Steve Kills. He went in, went up to the balcony, and I came around the corner. Remember, there's a ton of people, and there I was. And he started hugging me. He goes, I want to get back with Jesus, and I know you will not push me away. Yeah, that's um, good, Steve. And I think it's I think if if we're faithful, but faithful means tender. And these kids will, and they fall away and they mess up. Trust me, 
if you stay in the church, when they come back, they know where to find you. Man, that's a, that's incredible, Steve. I just really appreciate you sharing and, you know, and, and I just want to encourage those um, youth workers out there that might be listening and, and maybe you're um, discouraged. Maybe you're going through some, some really difficult um, life circumstances right now or dealing with loss, you know, whatever that might be. I, I just want to encourage you, as, as Steve has said, to, to never give up. God's not done. He's not done with you. He, he's still at work, even if you can't see him. He is moving. He's working. And uh, he's going to make all things work together for our good. If you're out there, maybe you feel alone. You need to hear that you should not be doing ministry alone. This is why Lead 222 exists. This is why we're here. We want to come alongside you. We care deeply about you. Go to our website, lead222.com. Get in touch with us. You can apply. We will have a coach, mentor come alongside you to encourage, to challenge, to walk with you. Uh, through this season and through this time. So I just want to encourage you on that. Um, Hey, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Um, Share it with your friends, rate, review it, um, share it with others. And uh, we're so grateful for you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Stay safe and stay inspired. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Lead 222 podcast. Please consider joining our community of leaders. Together, we're committed to experiencing healthy lives, healthy families, and healthy ministries. Learn more at lead222.com.